0: Now I think that when we hit a topic like the one we have before us today that deals with persecution, there's some of us who quickly turn off because we think that's either not for us or it's not something we want for us, and uh, so we dismiss it quickly because it doesn't seem to be fitting for what we desire or what we think we are. Scripture says an awful lot about it, though. I wonder why. Is it because we are believers in a fallen world? That we have the message of the light of the glorious gospel and the world lives in darkness and loves it and doesn't want their deeds to be exposed? Is it that living as a Christian in an unchristian world uh, is uncomfortable for the world around us? We think it's uncomfortable for us to live in an unchristian world. The unchristian world thinks it's uncomfortable to have Christians living in their world. So some of the ingredients in it. But I thought that um, since we just had the 4th of July and the uh, grand finale is always the exciting part when they go and light everything that's left in the box, it seems. And they all go off at once. That's exactly the approach we have today. There are 13 points to my outline. And the title, matter of fact, I only gave uh, one word to Kelly for the bulletin. Blessed are the brave. But if you wanted the full title, it goes like this. Blessed are the belittled, beaten, bruised, battered, bludgeoned, beleaguered, black bananas, brave, blessed, Bequeath best and bold believers. All right, you got all that? You're getting all of that today. All right, like I said, it's, somebody's blowing up the whole box today. Uh, Matthew 5, I'll give it to you again in a minute. Matthew 5, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. And in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Remember, these are the words of Jesus. This is his opinion on the topic. He calls you blessed. Blessed. Heavenly Father, help us to understand today as we open up your word, and to see things from your perspective. We work through this passage, Lord, do indeed challenge our hearts with it, draw us closer to yourself, and and, uh, show us how we can walk with a uh, confidence of your great love for us in a world like ours, and we thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, all the way through, I've been giving you B words for our B attitudes. Uh, The first one, when we went into verse number three, blessed are the poor in spirit, we talked about the bankrupt. The bankrupt. It it deals with our pride. One who has abandoned all hope of self-sufficiency. He has nothing and can do nothing of himself to find God's approval. He comes empty-handed before God like a beggar, and depends upon God for absolutely everything. That's quite a place to start. I would say that a lot of us, we're still there at the starting block, aren't we? There's a a beautiful verse in Psalm 57, verse number 2, that says that God is the one who accomplishes everything for me. That's quite a thought. He accomplishes everything for me. That's what the bankrupt come to know. The second, those who mourn. Verse number 4. Blessed are the bleeding. That's the word I gave to you. Because it dealt with our sinfulness. If poverty of spirit is a consciousness of my emptiness, then those who mourn are conscious of their sinfulness. Now, it's not that we haven't been forgiven, but when we stop and think of what we've been forgiven for, and the mercy that goes with that, We approach a holy God. A holy God. And what are we to stand in His presence? Apart from the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we can't stand there. But that's what it is. We come to beg for His help. Uh, We're conscious of the fact that it was our very own sin that first reduced us to that position of slavery and sinfulness and such in His presence and the shame that goes with it. And it really ought to break our hearts to consider that not only is that sin an offense to our God, but it also costs the life of our Savior. That's a sobering thing. And that's why I use the word bleeding here in that sense. Uh, It's because we take a look again at what He has done for us, and we stand before the Lord, bankrupt and bleeding and broken. The next verse, broken in this sense. Blessed are the gentle." That deals with our usefulness. That deals with our obedience. Broken like a horse that is ready to be used. uh, It's a proper response to our Lord. I don't believe the Lord is content with token appreciation. His expectations of us are complete obedience in all things. Those who are broken are educated in the Lord's school of usefulness. Their will and their strength are channeled through serving Christ. They're willing to do so. They want nothing more than to please their master. Their motto is, I have been bought with a price, therefore I will glorify God with my body. That's the broken. Their conscience of their duty to obey we, we've walked through this, but these are, are three of the four things the Lord does in our life. One-on-one, but certainly a vertical relationship as He is working in us to bring us to this next one. Verse number six, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're burning for it. Burning for it. That deals with our attitude. Deals with our appetite. Appetite. The Lord sees fit to build an appetite in us, to send us off for His work, an intense craving desire for righteousness. As I shared this with you several weeks ago. It doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God, though that is a great thing, and it should be for all of us. Or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the Bible, and that's a great thing too, and it should be for us. But it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because righteousness is the application of your knowledge of God and His Word. You see, it's not enough to fill the head or just fill the heart, but it goes to service, doesn't it? It has to go outward. And that's what He's training us to be, not just a a dead sea, so to speak, that just takes it in and takes it in and takes it in. But He wants us to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. A boy, does our land need that, and that's what he's building within us a righteous, a righteousness that that looks like a man and a woman doing what's right, doing what's right. Our motives, of course, is because God is holy, we want to please him, we've got his instruction from the word we we read and we learn and then it turns into actions it turns into habits it turns into to this is it no longer just a hearer of the word but what a doer that's somebody who has a hunger and thirst for righteousness that's what god is doing in and i hope in all of us building a uh, a mentality where we know we're bankrupt and we're bleeding and we're useful in brokenness, and we're burning for righteousness. And then it becomes horizontal. It turns from that point in verse number 7 to merciful. Verse 8, pure in heart. Verse 9, peacemakers. This is where it becomes horizontal and we're dealing with other people because you become burdened. Blessed are the merciful. That's a response of the heart. For those who have received mercy in the first place, they know what mercy means. And so they give it. They're burdened. Because they once knew the misery themselves. And so they go and reach those who are in misery now. They're burdened. And that's what the Lord has done for us. He he fills us up and overflows our hearts so that we can be activated and serve Him with what we have Remember, you're not the manufacturer of mercy. God is. It's His mercy. So if He's uh, done merciful things for you, it's a call for us to share it with others. Verse number 8, another way that we help others. And this is interesting because when you see the word blameless, blessed are the pure in heart, you think, well, that's just for me. No, it's not just for you. In a society like ours today, Having a pure heart toward other people? Wow, what a difference that would make. Most people have schemes and plots and motivations and all that, which are generally selfish in nature. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? The pure in heart don't think that way. Their service is genuine. They are blameless. You don't bring a charge against them, because the condition of their heart is this, that the Lord has said... Out of good man out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And if he's already started that work in your heart, then you have something good to share, don't you? Our world needs people who live in purity. <laughs> and this is the blameless that he speaks of. Because we have a storehouse. And if you're a storehouse, folks, and I was, I was getting a little personal, but if you're filling it with trash, guess what's going to come out? trash God has given to us great things so we've talked about that we talked last week about binders that's the peacemakers verse number 9 blessed are the binders the peacemakers that should be the goal of our heart the goal of our heart again moving into action where we, we not only are right in our relationship with God but we want others right In their relationship with God. That's what a peacemaker does. I challenged you with a couple of thoughts last week. Because number one. This is the expectation of the Father. He has made us to be peacemakers. He doesn't say blessed are the peaceful. He says blessed are the peacemakers. That's what he's called us to be and sent us out to be. And remember the pursuit of peace is what we should be doing. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. Psalm 34 tells us in verse 14. So we do not pursue peace in a place where it already exists. Peacemakers go to where peace is lacking. That's our call. That's what we're to do. Now I said all that before you this morning... Just to review, because as the poor in spirit have something working in their heart, it translates into being merciful. And those who mourn, and their conscience of their sin, are the ones who translate into those who live pure in heart. And those who are gentle, or broken by the Lord, translates into those who are peacemakers. Because they go out and do what the Lord called us to do. So, if that's true those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the outflow of that should be, what would you expect? Persecution? I want you to see one word in verse number 10. Right in the middle. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of, what is it? That's the same thing you're supposed to be burning for. Now, I want to ask you something real simple. Doing what is right, does it mean that we will always be treated right for doing it? There's the catch. Most of us want everything we become to have a positive, this is the way we think, a positive return, right? That's the way we think. We think, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to expect this. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to expect this. And we always like the good side. If I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, the world has a different response. That's what we're looking at here today, because this is one of the Beatitudes that stings. It deals with others. It's that horizontal relationship of what God has done for you, but the response from the world is not always what you want or what you expect. Blessed are the belittled. Blessed are the beaten. Blessed are the bruised. Blessed are the battered. Blessed are the bludgeoned. Blessed are the beleaguered. I always thought this was funny. Really, it came out of it the source. Blessed are the black bananas. Blessed are the brave. Blessed are the blessed. Blessed are the bequeathed. Blessed are the best. Blessed are the bold. Blessed are the believers. I said this before you, real simple, for the two verses, three verses we want to look at. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10 deals primarily with something in the past. You'll notice the words, blessed are those who have been persecuted. There are those who have been persecuted, right? They have been hunted, chased. They have been pursued. Some of them became martyrs. They had been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Some mistakenly believe that persecution, or any form of suffering, should be classified as flat tires, a difficult boss, uh, a bad day. And when we go about and we, we look at ourselves and say, you know, this has been rough, I feel like I've been persecuted today. It's kind of hard to set that next to the folks of this verse, isn't it? They have been persecuted, it says. They have been chased for the sake of righteousness. I want you to always put next to the term suffering or persecution that phrase. Because I think that's a qualifying phrase to understand what is biblical suffering. What is biblical persecution? It is for the sake of righteousness. That has to be part of the picture, to understand what God says about it. It wasn't due to their looks, it wasn't due to their standing in society, it wasn't due to their personality, it wasn't due to a bad day, it wasn't due to bad traffic. It was for the sake of righteousness that they were persecuted. That's specific. Is it easier to do wrong or to do right? That's a challenging question, isn't it? What if you're the only one willing to do what's right? These folks did what was right. As we learned about righteousness in verse number 6, they had a hunger and thirst for it because they knew their God and they knew His Word, and they were putting it out in their lives. They were living it out in a world that didn't like it, and they were persecuted for that thing. because I love the Lord so much to live for Him. The world hated them. Jesus said, that's no surprise. Matter of fact, Peter caught on to it. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I'll read you a couple of verses here. 1 Peter 3, verse 13 through 17. He says, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? For even if you should suffer, For the sake of righteousness, mark it, you are blessed. Hey, Peter was listening that day. And do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to make defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence and keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right, rather than for doing what is wrong. Now Peter adds to this in chapter 4, in verse 15 and 16. Make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. Don't be that way. That's not righteous. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Now if you have a bookmark or something, just hold it right there. We're coming back to this passage in a minute. You see, there's a terrible experience called persecution. There are those who have experienced it. We just read of in Matthew 5. The reason was because of the sake of righteousness. The rationale is interesting. Why do they, why do they go down this road? What, what is it that they look at and see as positive in all this? In Matthew 5.10, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word is because. You see, there's a motivation in this. (laughs) And it's something that the believers knew. We sing the old song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The believers back then lived that way. They knew this world was not going to be hospitable. (laughs) They knew that. They longed for the place to call home. They knew their citizenship was in heaven. They aimed for that. They lived for that. That was their motivation. Theirs was the kingdom of heaven. That's why this was not an issue. As far as it concerns, most of us, we consider this a tragedy. To them, they just say, well, it's just temporary. Because I know where I'm going and I know what's in store for me. If you read through Hebrews chapter 11, you get a good glimpse of them. These people who said, I'm looking up there. That's what I'm living for. Their eyes were set above, right? They were looking for a city, builder, and all those other things. That was all about God and what He had in store for them. Some of them lived down here and never had a home. Because they knew God had it for them. Some of them went through some pretty tough things. We could read all of that in Hebrews 11. And there were those in Hebrews chapter 11 that didn't come out on the end that we would celebrate they were sawn in two they were persecuted and hunted it goes on and on and on about very tragic life experiences these were the others that you're finding in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 35 through 39 if you take the time to read through that we read that and say well what of these guys they're the ones that the world rejected altogether The ones that the world wanted to get rid of. They had no value in this world. We have to cut them out of this world. We don't want them in our world anymore. And they were persecuted and many of them martyred for their faith. I think that's what they meant by a black banana. Who wants one? Who wants that? That's the world's opinion of God's people. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They knew what they had in store. Their treasures were made up in heaven. Where moth and rust do not corrupt, right? More than anything else, they wanted to live for him. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10 sometimes. If we had a lot of time, we'd do this. In Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about those who not only gave up their property, gave up all that they had to minister to somebody who was in prison of all things, but they did it joyfully. (laughs) It's a stunning little passage there. Hebrews chapter 10, you could see it in verse 32 through 36. These people accepted joyfully with great delight. They accepted joyfully the persecution that came to them and the loss of all that they had because, it says this, knowing what they had. Knowing what they had. And that was what God had in store for them. That's how they lived. That was their rationale. I'd like to ask you, what do you live for? Oh, you're saying, so, I'm a Christian. Of course you are. I hope so. What are you living for? What's your motivation to live for righteousness? Is it so that the world will stand up and applaud when you go by? Got a secret for you? They don't. You hunger and thirst for righteousness so much that persecution comes your way? Wow, what a combination that is. That's what happened. That's what verse 10 says. Uh, that's what happened. Blessed are those who have been persecuted. That has happened before. But we've got the record of it. Look at verse number 11 and see the change in the, fur, in the words. And blessed are you. Now he brings it into the present, doesn't he? Now he gets personal. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. And notice the, again the reason. Because of me. Because of me. Here's a potential. Do you know? You might be like the folks in verse number 10. It's a subjunctive in the Greek. Subjunctives sometimes are, are hard when you're reading them because they, they express what you should be. And when you read it and you realize you're not that, it gets very convicting. But on the other hand, it is the big if. It doesn't say it will happen. It could happen. It could happen. And that's what we're looking at here. They may insult you. Peter said in First Peter chapter 1, you still have... Peter open you could you could just back up just a couple of pages in chapter number one this was always an intriguing verse to me verse number six in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials how does that ever become necessary have you ever thought about that? If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, there's your definition of the persecution, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For a little while, he said, if necessary. Even Psalm 23 brings out that point. What does it say? Even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say it will be. Because he's talking about a danger there. He's not talking about dying. He's talking about the dangers that lurk in the shadows for sheep. He says, even if we have to walk down that path, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. You are with me. The experience is not guaranteed. But this is what I also know. In our world, we might have gotten away with living a Christian life without too much persecution coming our way. Not intense like some of these other places in the world. Not here. But I do know when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a sobering verse. Jesus said in John fifteen twenty, Remember the word I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, then they would keep yours also. You know, as a believer, you are blessed. You're blessed in knowing him. You're blessed in serving him. Because he's your master. You're blessed in sharing his word. You are blessed as a believer. Blessed are the believers. But he said, don't forget. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. It's possible it might be a verbal attack. When men cast insults at you, the phrase says. Cast insults. You might be belittled. But you know what? Blessed are the belittled. They might belittle you. They might cast insults at you. They might defame you. They might rail at you. That's the word we use. Chide. They might taunt you. They might reproach you. They might revile you. They might denounce you. You're belittled and you're blessed. It might be a physical attack. Blessed are the beaten. Blessed are the battered. Blessed are the bruised. Blessed are the bludgeoned. That's a heavy word. They may persecute you. They may cast insults at you. They may persecute you. It says in verse number 11 here. They might go after you, chase after you, hunt you, pursue you. Paul, he didn't hesitate before he was a believer to do that to other people. And then Paul knew that too, didn't he? Because he was chased and chased and chased. He knew what it was to be beaten, battered, and bruised. And bludgeoned. It might be a physical attack. They might say things against you falsely. They may say bad things about you. It may be envious things they say. It might be evil things they say. It might be malignant or violent things they say. It might be wicked things. It might be worthless things. It simply is a lie. They say it against you falsely. That's the potential of the experience. And the reason is, because of me, Jesus says. On account of me. On account of me. How close do you want to know your Lord? How close do you want to walk with Him? You see, the target of evil is toward Him. What they see in you, what's called righteousness, is not your righteousness. Whose is it? It's His. When they see an image in you, it's not your image they see. It's Christ's image they see. And who are they targeting? Christ. He says, they're doing it to me. You are blessed. Because they see you. And they think it's me. Think of that. Isn't that an incredible thought? He says it's because of me. I read to you in First Peter four just a minute ago, verse fifteen and sixteen. By no means that any of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evil doer, or as a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, what is a Christian? not just a term you just tack onto anything and make it sound good it's a follower of Christ let him not feel ashamed but in that name glorify God it's the name of Christ that's a reason there's potential for persecution the rationale why do we go down this road he says in verse 12 for your reward in heaven is great your reward in heaven is great. Your labor is not in vain, is it? First Corinthians says so. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Your toil, your labor, your weariness, your strenuous uh, activity, it's not in vain. He says, you know, they persecuted the prophets before you, in verse 12. So it's nothing new. It's exactly the same thing they went through. They were persecuted, they were hunted, they were chased, they were pursued. You're in good company. You're in good company. Because they have gone through it before as well. Let me add a couple more thoughts because I have a couple of bees still hanging out there. The word bequeathed. Do you not realize... That being persecuted for the name of Christ is a privilege. It's a privilege. He has entrusted to you his name to wear in front of the world. He said, I will let you wear my name. You're going to suffer for it. But I bequeath to you that blessed name. It's what God will honor. Here's another thing about it. It's a sign of maturity, folks. To wear the name of Christ in a world like ours, that's a mature believer. I call that the best. That's who the Lord says. They have my approval to wear my name. Because these are the best, and they are blessed. I use that term, blessed are the blessed. All of the Beatitudes started that way. God blesses us. And He blesses us because we are blessed. We have His approval. I've given to you experiences today. And I've given to you reasons for it. And I've given to you the rationale why we go through things. But I want to give to you one more thing. And it's the response. Look again at verse number 12. Look at the two actions at the start of the verse. Rejoice and be glad. Oh, I love these two. They're both commands, by the way. They're present commands, which means keep on doing it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep on, keep on rejoicing. Keep on, keep on being glad. Now, which one sounds more energetic to you? Maybe the rejoicing sounds pretty, you know, a lot of rejoicing and being glad and such. The rejoicing is kind of interesting. Rejoicing is a calm, happy delight. Be glad means jumping up it for joy. Now, which one sounds more energetic to you? He says, both. Do them. A calm delight. A calm joy. A calmness. Because you understand what's going on. And an excitedness, like a child getting a present. Because this didn't come to you because of the world and by some accident or some circumstance or such like that. This was from God's hand. And it's time we start to realize that's a blessing, folks. That he allows us to wear his name in a world like this. Be glad. Be glad. The apostles were brave. We can go through their story too. At times there are people who were beleaguered. They didn't understand. They don't know why we're going through these things. Peter warned them. In 1 Peter 4, again in verse 12 and 14, don't be surprised, he said, don't be surprised when various trials come upon you. That's generally how we're caught. <laughs> but all these words together speak of one who's been blessed by God. And I think just a simple look at it like we did today gives you a whole new perspective on this thing called Persecution. Blessed are the brave. Blessed are the bold. Blessed are the believers and the best. Blessed are the bequeathed and the beleaguered and the bludgeoned and the bruised and the beaten and the belittled. And yes, even the black bananas. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That is a mouthful. Lord, there is more here than what we can process, I know. And even if we were in the midst of something like this, it's still a lot more than what we can process. These are not easy words for us to read. And you know, you know that. That's why you had them written. That we who love you and love righteousness, who hunger and thirst for it and burn for it, will also be those who are blessed, even in the response of a world that doesn't like it. May that never be the hindrance to our living righteously in this world. May our eyes be set on things above and not on circumstances. May it be set on Christ and not on persecutors. May we go forward with full confidence in the fact that you love us. You provided for us and you plan for us and you have a heaven in store for us and we walk with you all the way along. Give us a perspective on this. To realize that we are blessed every step of the way. Lord, we have many who have taught us this lesson in this word, many who've taught us this lesson in this world But we need to learn the lesson that we might walk with you in a way honoring to your name. Thank you for the privilege of wearing your name. May we be found worthy of it. Challenge us, Lord, in the way that you see fit, whatever you call necessary, that we might bring honor and glory to that great name we wear, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.